Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. What's going to become of you? It's up to you to decide. If you stay in this town, you are lost. Where would I go, Paris? I got four bucks. That's what makes me mad with you. You're a coward. I mean it. You let life defeat you. You don't fight back. What chance has a woman got? More chance than men. A woman, young, beautiful like you, can get anything she wants in the world because you have power over men. But you must use men, not let them use you. You must be a master, not a slave. Look, here, Nietzsche says, all life, no matter how we idealize it, is nothing more nor less than exploitation. That's what I'm telling you. Exploit yourself. Go to some big city where you will find opportunities. Use men. Be strong. Defiant. Use men to get the things you want. Yeah. everybody, I'm Dan. And I'm Tim. So welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fans watch movies separately and talk about them on the show for the first time. Today we're excited because we're doing Babyface, the 1933 film with Barbara Stanwyck, everybody knows, directed by Alfred E. Green, famous for being pre-code, famous also because Daryl Zanuck took a $1 payment for the story idea, gave it to Gene Markey and Catherine Scola to write the screenplay of. Everybody loves this movie. Tim and I love it. We've never talked about it, though. So in part one, we talk about our overall take on the movie. We just rewatched it for the pod. Tim, go. Well, I was uh, hesitant when you mentioned Babyface because my first thought was, what is there to say about Babyface? It's so direct and it is... Uh, this this sort of thing is like it's it's against interpretation, like Susan Sontag would have said. Like as everybody knows about this, the one thing that's most famous about this movie is as Barbara Stanwyck scores with bigger and bigger executives. You see the outside of the big building in New York City that she, the, the 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 camera me, cranes upward to each new floor as she gets higher and higher in the building. It's that kind of movie. It, you, you couldn't even say, hey, you know, it's got great things to say about feminist empowerment because it's so there. It's not like you're finding some new meaning that wasn't there to begin with. Every man's a chump. Even George Brent really is a chump. 
everybody except the professor who is, you know, an older man, thus by Hollywood standards is a sexless figure. Uh, so, you know, it, but, you know, it works like gangbusters and it is, uh, you know, sort of essential to the Barbara Stanwyck, uh, ethos and the way, you know, she will become famous later on for going gooey over Gary Cooper or Henry Fonda as she's this, you know, very, her most famous role is double indemnity where she admits at the end, like I was never any good. But generally, she starts out as this predatory person who then falls for the chump. Right. And so, you know, that that's sort of what we're seeing the beginning of here. Part of this makes me, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about double indemnity. You know, Lily Powers and Babyface, she almost makes Phyllis Dietrichson look like, you know, Maria von Tropp or something. I mean, she's 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 rough. I mean, she is I she is to do another one of her movies, she's like Stella Dallas, yeah. but without a conscience. Like Stella Dallas yeah. is kind of torn. Am I doing the right thing for my daughter? What do I do? I leave the wedding at the end, but this is just no way. And I think it is interesting to watch in our current like historical moment, right? Because, you know, she is the predator. And that's not to give all the all the men like a, a pass on this because they're all horrible but yeah, yeah um you know it's it's interesting to see her crush out all sentiment like like the old professor says right and it's great when he reads her the nietzsche i love that he's like you know be strong defiant <laughs> use men to get the thing you want and you just see her go yeah like she says she's never had this idea before yeah. until this guy tells nietzsche to her i mean everybody in this movie is gross everybody and i use that word deliberately everyone's gross but the thing that's so much fun about it is that she's richard the third oh that's great yeah 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 no there's nothing but victims on the stage at the end yeah nothing but victims and what's great about it is that she's also like richard the third because she tells us what she's gonna do yeah. and then we watch her do it like there's no suspense in like how it's gonna end up and it, right from the beginning when she goes i love what she goes to see Mr. Pratt, the fat guy who works in the in the in the uh, hiring office, and uh, you know, where are you from? Are you from the South? I'm from Tallapoosa, Georgia. And like you like the guys, he's like the Duke of Clarence. Like he's got yeah. chump written all over him. And um, it's so enjoyable to watch her do that. Where did they find that guy, Mr. Pratt? He's not like a Hollywood type. He actually looks like a real person. But it's funny, like we see her go through the whole thing. Like, I love when she breaks the bottle on the guy's face, and like you're totally yeah. there with her. Like, yeah, and like her father dies in his satanic mill. His his, you know, he dies yeah. trying to repair his still, and you're like, yeah, that's it, break free. And uh, and um, as she keeps going, like you're totally drawn into her side, and you don't even question what she's doing because you just want her to get even with the world. Yeah, yeah, and you know the movie makes it easy. It's great, and uh, you know her apartment gets better and better. Her clothes yeah. are fantastic, right? Totally. I mean, the costumes in this are great, and to the point where, like, which when she's the kept woman, and of course, like, you know, if you're rich enough to do that, you have to have your own smoking jacket. <laughs> 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 like all like it like you said before it's so direct like we're going to show how she goes up with her clothes by what she eats right when her when her when chico says uh oh that you know that, that food looks good she's like well you ate yesterday yeah. <laughs> but then it gets to like she's at like the you know the equivalent of a stork club or whatever it is and it's also remember this too it's like the movie's 70 minutes long or 75 minutes long i mean there's no there's not even the parts of richard the third like when the three ghosts come in and it slows everything up before the end like there's none of that Hi, we're back for part two, where we talk about a key moment in the movie. Dan, what's yours? My moment is when, I mean, you could almost like stop the streaming service at random and you'll find a great one. But mine is when she's reading the etiquette book and she says she has the giant Emily Post yeah. etiquette book. And I love that because 
it shows you like that, that the movie's assumption is that class is something you can learn if you're a good enough actor and you could just pull it off. Yeah. So like yeah. we kind of think in America that like some people just have it like like, you know, Cary Grant just walked around being Cary Grant all day. And like people now that like have this kind of way about them, like like including, of course, Barbara Stanwyck. Right. You can't, right. But of course, like the movie, it, the premise of the movie is that you just learn your lines and you just say all the right things. Like you call the guy. No, did Fuzzy Wuzzy enjoy his dinner? Like and. You, and you know exactly what to say and it's not like it's not like family history or like a, a legacy of all these things or like you know this is how the stanwicks behave right yeah you know, yeah it, you just learn your lines and and do the thing and everyone will believe you yeah yeah no it's uh even even when you know even when Ro crocodile dundee is the real thing but he's shaving with a regular razor but then he sees linda kozlowski watching him and he pulls out his bowie knife that's what he would yeah. shave right What's your moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, this movie is nothing but great scenes, as you said. Um, I I like it starts out in Erie, Pennsylvania, and it starts out with these obvious stock shots of Erie. And in a weird way, I mean, this is like this, such an this is one of these economical early talkies where there's train. She runs away on a train. She lives in Erie, Pennsylvania. You see a little of the exterior of their house a little bit. But it's I mean, it's all very compact. This director of this movie, I've never heard of him before, Alfred E. Green. I figured he must be a thinking man's Alfred E. Newman. But um, he, this is his 54th movie. This is one of these guys who had been at it through the silent period. He started, I think, before the 20s, he directed his first movie. And so all this stuff you're seeing, like the, the camera craning up and all of that stuff, I'm very wary these days of saying anybody did something for the first time because almost always you find out, ah, no, somebody did that back in the silent era. But uh, and you know this is one of those guys who did that. And there, it, unfortunately, there are a lot of people like that, filmmakers who are really, you know, they they may have been better than Orson Welles for all we know, but all their stuff happened in the silent era, so they're always going to be downgraded a little bit. I'm a big fan of Frank Borzaghi who made a lot of very good sound and color movies, but his real masterpieces are in the sound era or in the silent era. So he's always going to be, you know, below John Ford and William Wellman and so forth. Yeah, what's interesting is that, you know, guys like Alfred Green and you said, like they were making, they were making movies before the invention of films. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, that's why most of their stuff hasn't survived. First of all, because it was like highly explosive, so they had to be careful about it. And uh, also, you know, nobody thought about preserving that stuff. In fact, I mean, one of the things that did in the silent year, I don't mean to get off on my silent movie kick, but the studios actually made an effort to like destroy negatives and things like that and make silent movies unavailable because they wanted to force the exhibitors to upgrade their equipment right yeah so i mean that's where and he continued to make a bunch of but he has a, a biopic of benjamin disraeli and a bunch of other stuff so i'm definitely i'm, I'm gonna think uh might be looking more deeply into alfred green that'll be a good double hit you could listen to disraeli gears by cream and then watch the movie <laughs> So welcome back to part three. We always talk about the title or the ending or the big takeaways. So Tim, you could start us off wherever you want. Uh, well, the ending, uh, it certainly ends in a big way. Uh, George Brent uh, shoots himself in the stomach. Uh, I believe Hideki Tojo did the same thing uh, after Japan's surrender. Uh, unusual place to to shoot yourself. It do, it doesn't kill him. He seems to be alive at the end. He's recovered. It's it's like almost all that heaven allows. At the end, right. the guy is still alive, but you're not sure whether he's going to you know make full recovery. 
And this is after, of course, the the father-son death that happens that causes the whole scandal in the middle, which the first time you see the movie, you're like, holy cow, this movie's been on for like 25 minutes, and you already have like the the son kill the father and they commit suicide in the love nest. I know, and you're thinking at that point, how's Lily going to get out of this, right? Yeah, like, what else can happen in this movie, right? (laughs) It turns out she can turn on the waterworks for a whole boardroom full of men, and they'll all go for it. Well, it's, the tagline, as you remember from the poster, was she had it and she made it pay. <laughs> so anyway, go back to the ambulance. What do you, what do you make of that? Uh, you know, I, I, I think you'll find a lot of uh, argument in the cineasta community, even among people who like this movie. You will say this ending is a total Hollywood cop out. Total cop out. Uh, you know, she should, never should have fallen for him. Maybe so. I, you know, like I said, Barbara Stanwyck went on to make a career out of that type of role. And she still manages to sell it right and you feel it yourself when you see her uh you know when she's she's given somebody the eyeball you feel like yeah if she did that to me i would go for it too and it's interesting the movie's called baby face because you know barbara stamick has not have a baby face no she does not otto preminger's angel face is a little more realistically titled because gene simmons has a sort of unearthly beauty to her you know barbara stanwick has a you know it's somewhat hard features and that's that's part of her appeal but it is it's not a baby face in any way and she lives that part well it's funny that the uncensored one which we all love now right like the one where she's in the ambulance that wasn't available that was lost until 2004 and that the original was to was the original one, they wanted to have Lily lose everything and return to Erie, Pennsylvania, right? And like, you know, go back to her regular old, you know, boring lifestyle. And, and uh, you know, imagine what that was like. I mean, the ending is, a, you, you seem to be defending the ending. I think the ending is kind of a cop out, but what are you going to do? I mean, what, what, right. are, what are you going to do? I mean, Richard III, wh- whether he died historically or not, has to die yeah. on Bosworth Field. What's, like, it's got to happen. What's funny, when I first saw this, I had heard this thing, like, you know, it's restored the the original ending and so forth. And then it has, the, or it has, you know, it's, it's the 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 Hayes office had cut it to pieces, and this is the restored version. Was the the shorthand, um, and then when I see it, I see the end. Well, wait, she turns around and turns out to be you know she falls for him and does the right thing and realizes riches don't matter. I feel like, well, isn't that the ending that the Hayes Code insisted? On? I, I don't get it. Like it actually would have been more ethically together if she had you know gone back to Erie, Pennsylvania with nothing, right? Like, I guess she's reward. I guess the the danger, quote unquote, in air quotes, was that she was rewarded for her like her life of vice by having like Mister Wonderful who shoots himself in the stomach so he can live through the movie, and uh, and she actually say, you know, when he says, "I need that four hundred thousand dollars," and at first she's like, "You're not getting my my jewels. You're not getting those yeah. things." So I think that that's it. It you have to you're right. But I thought to myself, well, that's a moral tale too, right? Where she realizes, "I'll give him the money," but she still ends up with she still wins at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's that's a great scene, by the way. Because you know George Brent, he he sort of looks like a chump. He looks like a mug in his way. And uh, as he's telling her the scene, like it doesn't even occur to him. Like I'm I'm going to need a million dollars to defend myself. I'll need you to do this, that, and the other. But, yeah. You know, of course you're like, yeah, that ain't never happening. But <laughs> she's you, you, he really believes it. He's in love. Yeah, babyface. She wouldn't give the time of day to John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we should mention, by the way, this is uh, when I like to, uh, you know, sort of set people back. I tell them John, the best John Wayne movie of the 30s is Babyface. Oh, he is. Uh, and he's great. By the way, you said they're all the guys are bad. He's OK. He didn't do anything wrong as far as I know. 
well, she won't talk to him. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Like because he's because he's useless. He's useless. Right, There's yeah. no reason. He's outlived his purpose. He's a completely transactional yeah. person. Thanks for listening to our episode on Babyface. You can follow us on X at 15MINFILM. You can also follow us on Letterboxd. Let us know what to watch next. We'll see you next time. Thanks.